Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the jar. We're so glad that you're here this morning. Uh, My name is Chris, and uh, look forward to uh, having some fun and uh, seeing what God's going to do in this place today. If you would, I'd like you to uh, go ahead and pull out the card that looks like this. Uh, This is our Connect card in your program. Uh, You should have that, and so uh, if you could fill that out for us, that would be great. Um, Or if you want to do it on our app, you can do that as well by simply going uh, to the App Store and look at the JAR Community Church, and you can fill it out there also. Um, While you're doing that, what I'd like you to do also, there's another little sheet in your uh, program that simply says a pledge card. And uh, in two and a half months, we're going to be moving uh, to the Civic Theater. And uh, we're really excited about this. We really believe God's going to do some great work there, just like he has here. And uh, to make that move, though, there is going to be a cost to that. And so this is what I'm simply asking you to do. I'd like you to take this and to ask God, would he like you to give over and above kind of your uh, regular giving? So uh, if he says no, then don't give. Please, don't give. If if God says, no, I don't want you to give for this move, please don't do so. But if he tells you to give, I pray that you would think about it. What is it that God might be asking you to give? Now, I never ask you guys to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. And so Jennifer, uh, my wife and I, we've actually made a commitment of what we're going to give and kind of gave our first installment for that because we're trying to budget our money wisely over that, and uh, all the staff and all the elders and all the trustees, uh, they've made a commitment uh, to give financially as well. And I wanted to kind of give you an update of where we're at. If you remember, uh, we kind of revealed this to everybody in July and uh, wanted to kind of give you an update. So, uh, so far, we've received $21,415. So uh, we're very grateful uh, to God uh, for that. And our goal is $50,000 to raise so that we can have the best move and transition, buy new stuff for kids, have good signage, be able to help out and make the transition as uh, smooth as possible. And I want to thank all of you who have given uh, already. This wouldn't happen without you guys. And so if you've given a gift, I just want to say thank you so much. Now, I know it's been summer and some of you've been on summer break and so maybe you're coming back and you're like, you know, I haven't uh, even heard about the um, Faith Forward campaign. And so if you have uh, or haven't heard about it or you'd like to give, um, I just want to encourage you to think about it. You can fill this card out that you have in front of you And at the end, it's simply a pledge of saying, hey, I'm going to do this. And you can put that in the offering bag when it goes by. Or you can go to our website if you're a techie person and you want to do that. And you can go ahead to our website, uh, thejar.org. And where it says join our Forward Faith campaign, all you do is click on that. And then it will show you a way that you can give that way as well. You know, we're never a church that is uh, asking new people to give. So if you're here for the first time, um, we're not asking for you to do that. But if 
you've been thinking about how can I do something, then here's a need that we really have. And just ask God. Um, Don't do it because of me. Don't do it because of guilt. But ask God, and if God tells you to give, give. And if He tells you don't, then don't. So let's go ahead and let's pray, and then we'll jump in today. Let's pray. Well, loving God, we thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to be able to go to the Civic Theater. We know, God, that just as you have moved in great ways in this space, that you move in great ways to the next space. Because your church, God, is not a building. It is a group of people that come together to try to turn to you and to do their best to learn from you and to grow in you. And we know you're going to continue to help us to be that church, God. Thank you, God, for everyone who has already stepped up and has given. I pray, God, that you would bless their lives and that many others would have a sense of like, oh, okay, yeah, I want to I wanna do that. I want to be a part of it. I want the move to be the best that it can be. We know, God, that you're going to do your part. You're already working upstream, uh, moving in that. So would you help us in the best way we know how to do ours? And God, I pray right now that you would speak to us. God, it's been a, uh, a long week maybe for some of us. For some of us, uh, it's been a great week. But all of us, God, we come here today because we want to experience a touch from you. And so, God, would you move in this moment so we might be changed and that your spirit would impact our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, during my uh, junior year in college, um, my, uh, one of the organizations that we could be a part of was a leadership organization of about 30 people. And so um, I applied to it, and uh, I became a part of it. And then, uh, to try to help us become better leaders, they broke us up into groups of three. And I was in a group with two other beautiful young women. Now, in uh, college, I had no problem having that experience, you know, and so I had two little honeys there and, you know, thought this was going to be great, and uh, we got to know each other pretty well, and as the semester went on, though, the one uh, particular uh, girl, she stopped coming at all, and it was just me and uh, this other uh, beautiful young woman connecting. But she was dating another guy, and I was dating another girl, and so I didn't think too much about it. But because it was only the two of us, we got to know each other really well and began a a really cool friendship. We got to know what each other liked and disliked, what our personalities were, what our passions were, what uh, was truly kind of at a heart kind of level. And that beautiful young woman that I met my second semester of my junior year, and it was only the two of us, was my wife, Jennifer. And she was a hot day! And uh, I was so glad that we were part of that. But like I said, we were dating two other people, and uh, that summer, though, she sent me a letter. This was before email, uh, so some of you may not remember that. But this was before email. And so she sent me this letter... And uh, she was telling me, basically, that she had broke up with her boyfriend and she wanted to know if I wanted to marry her. 
not, not really, okay? That, that's how I interpreted it, you know, because at the end of the letter, she went, love ya, you know what I mean? And I thought, man, she's like all about me. And so uh, what is true is she did write me a letter in 1992 saying that she appreciated the time that we got together, and that particular summer we both broke up with our significant others, and that next semester we started dating, and the rest is history. Now, you might look at this story, and you might say, well, it's just chance. It's accident that you and your wife even went to the same college. You could say that Jennifer and I being placed in a leadership group and then broken down to a group of three and ten groups that when we were chosen, that that was just coincidence. You could say that having the third person who was a part of that group be a no-show during the entire semester was simply a random accident. And any of these folks, it, it may be totally true, but I just wonder sometimes if in every single moment of our lives that God is not working in ways that maybe we just don't see. Sometimes I wonder if rather than it being an accident or a coincidence, if there is a God out there that actually has kind of a sovereign plan for your life. Have you ever had the experience before where you have this accidental encounter with someone or something and you don't think too much about it and then some time goes by and pretty soon you're like, you know what, I don't think that was an accident. Or have you ever gone through a really, really dark time in your life and you're going through a real struggle and then light comes in and it's shown and you're like, wow. Have you ever gone through a season of loneliness where you thought, I'm the only one on this island, I'm all by myself, and then God brings somebody into your life and all of a sudden you're not as lonely? Have you ever gone through a financial crisis before where you've kind of lost it all? And you think there's no way to get out of this, and then all of a sudden there's some kind of financial need that's met. Have you ever had a health scare before where your health is failing badly and you don't see much hope at all, and then hope comes with some healing that you weren't expected? Have you ever gone through some hurt, some pain, some difficulty, but later on you realize that even then, I, though I didn't want to go through that pain and that hurt, if I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't be at the healthy place that I'm in today. Well, I have a feeling today that every single one of us in this gym have had that kind of experience before. Where what we thought was an accident or a coincidence or just a random uh, chance soon became kind of God working in the midst of that situation. And so, for the rest of our time, I want to talk about what our big idea is this morning, and it's this. God is always working behind the scenes of our lives. God is always working behind the scenes of our lives. And that's your first fill-in. You can fill it in or do it on our app as well. Now, last week we were introduced to this woman named Ruth. Uh, the book of Ruth is in the Old Testament, the second half of the Bible. And uh, 
it's a story of this remarkable woman who, uh, whose uh, part of her story is very difficult when we first entered in it. And so I'd like to kind of give you a little background to this story, but rather than me doing it, I'd like you to look at the side screens. I think you'll enjoy this. And now, the story of a Ruth. Once upon a time, there was a woman named Ruth. She wasn't an Israelite. She was from Moab, a country Israel didn't like very much. But Ruth, she married an Israelite. As our story begins, Ruth, her Israelite husband, and her husband's mother were all living in the Moab because there was a famine in Israel. A famine? You mean no food? Right, and no food. So there they are in the Moab when, oh no, Ruth's husband dies. I don't know what happened. Maybe he got hit by a bus. I don't think they had buses back then. Okay, maybe he got hit by a cow. Chester. A goat? Chester. A near-tempered iguana? Chester. Anyway, he's dead. He's gone. No more husband. Now, Ruth's mother-in-law, her name is Naomi, she doesn't have a husband either. He died a while back. Probably another iguana. Chester! Or something. Naomi doesn't really belong in the Moab. She's an Israelite. So as soon as the famine ends, she decides to go back to Israel. Of course, she is old and has no husband and no money. So she'll have to beg for food. Her life will be sad. Well, guess what? Ruth doesn't want that to happen. She loves Naomi. So even though Moab is her home, Ruth says to Naomi, I will come with you. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. <laughs> Isn't it beautiful? I'm telling you, that part makes me cry every time. <laughs> now, don't you love that, Okay. So you just learned the whole story of chapter 1 within about, you know, a minute and a half. So here's the story. And Ruth and Naomi, they're going through this pain, this suffering, like the skit kind of said. They're, they're all by themselves. They have no husbands. And they're not sure if they're going to make it or not. And so they head back then eventually to Naomi's home country of Israel. And Naomi, though, is bitter. She's just like a bitter, bitter old woman. She's bitter at God. She's bitter at everyone because her husband's dead and her two sons are dead. But Ruth, even though the circumstances are really, really bad, she is willing to kind of give this God that she doesn't know from Israel to have an opportunity to work in her life. Because she's saying, well, maybe even though I don't know this God, he's actually maybe working behind the scenes of my life. And so for the rest of our time, I want us to try to answer this question. How can we experience God moving even when our circumstances seem unclear? How can we experience God moving even when our circumstances seem unclear? And here's kind of the first, of, uh, the first thing we must do. The first thing is we must step out in faith. That we actually have to step out in faith. In chapter 2, the thing that we find out is that Ruth realizes that her circumstances are very unclear, that they're in uh, desperate straits. But she decides that she's still going to step out in faith. Starting in verse 1, uh, in chapter 2, we read this. 
Now, Naomi, who is her mother-in-law, had a relative on her husband's side, a man of the standing from the clan of Elimelech. And we all remember last year, or last week, how we uh, remember that particular name, right? Uh, If we want to remember it, we just go, Elimelech, 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 in the jungle. Okay, that's enough, all right? Uh, You won't have to hear that all four weeks, but you might. I don't know. You'll wait and see. But Naomi and Elimelech are husband and wife, but Elimelech dies. And now she's alone. And all of a sudden, though, God brings on a new character that we're going to learn about today, a guy by the name of Boaz. Now, Ruth, again, is a Moabite. They worship multiple gods. And it goes on to say, the rest of the story, Ruth the Moabite says to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went and entered into a field and began to glean, and we'll talk about that a little bit more, behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was the, uh, from the clan of who? Elimelech. Good. Now, here's the question. Is this simply coincidence, or is God working behind the scenes? So here's Naomi and here's Ruth, and they're back in Israel, in particular in Bethlehem. And what else do we know significant about Bethlehem? Who was born there? Yeah, Jesus. Like, Jesus, it's okay. When you're, when you're not sure, just say Jesus. Just say it. It's probably close. Um, you know, it's like Sunday school. Kids don't know the answer. Okay, this squirrel went up in a tree. Who brought the squirrel down? Oh, it's Jesus. You know what I mean? It's always, it's always Jesus, no matter what the answer is, uh, what the question is. Um, Yet, it was where Jesus was born, and we'll talk about that significance more in week four. Well, Naomi and Ruth, they're in Bethlehem now, but this is the thing. Even though they're they're in this new place, they have no food, they have no money, they have no protection, they have no husbands to care for them, because the men in this culture did the work, and the women were provided for them from men. But Ruth is not just the type of woman who's going to wait around. She is a strong woman. Just like we have many, many strong women here in the jar. And she honors Naomi and she goes to her and tells her or asks for permission to glean this field. Now, This concept of gleaning means nothing to us probably here unless you're in some kind of agricultural field. But even if you're in some kind of agricultural field, gleaning we just don't do anymore. But they actually had a law in the Old Testament that God gave that talked about gleaning. It's in Leviticus. This is what it says. It says, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest Leave that for the who? For the poor. God says you don't have to go out and pick every last little piece of grain or wheat or barley or whatever. 
always leave a little bit on the edge of the field. Now, the question becomes, why did God say this? Because God said that he wanted those who had fallen on hard times before, who were not able to maybe feed themselves, that they could come after and they could glean a little bit of food so that they wouldn't starve to death. So Ruth, she steps out in faith and she starts gleaning in Boaz's field. But this is the thing, folks. She didn't know it was Boaz's field. She's just going to a field, kind of, you know, sneaking around, getting some food and gleaning that way. And so, again, folks, is it coincidence or is it providence? I think the latter. Because this is the truth, folks. God is always working behind the scenes of each one of your lives even when you don't see it. Now, as Ruth steps out in faith, she doesn't have a passive faith. She's not like, oh, I'm a woman, and this man took care of me, but this man's not doing it, so Lord, would you kind of provide for me? It's not a passive faith. She has like an active faith. For example, if you're unemployed and you're at least going out, you're looking for jobs, you're trying to find something, maybe you're having some struggle, but you're trying to do it, that's an active faith. If you're a single guy and you want to get married and you want God to provide for you a wife, you're not just sitting at home going, well, I guess I'll call Pizza King. Maybe there'll be a pretty girl that'll come and deliver me a pizza. You know, you're not just waiting for something to happen. You're actually actively pursuing something. Now, I have now I love this little phrase in verse two. Again, let's go back to it. it says Ruth said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find. What's the next word? What is it? Favor. What she's saying is. God is not going to fail me. God will not abandon me. I don't know much about this Israel God, but He is one who is going to give me favor. And I'm going to go to Him to try and find favor. She's searching for God's provision for her life. She trusts that God is working behind the scenes, even though everything right now seems very unclear in her life. And she knows that he is a good God and that there's a plan for her life. Now, let me tell you this. Faith is not this. Everything's great. Everything's great. My life is falling apart, but everything is great. You know that if God closes a window, he's just going to open up a door. And you know that uh, if for some reason you're in a setback right now, it's just ready for a comeback. Folks, That is not what faith is. Because sometimes people in church come and new people come in and all of a sudden they're so overwhelming and they're like, you know what? Whatever you're going through, it's going to get better. It's just going to get better. You get close to God, everything in your life is going to be better. I mean, it's like money's going to be coming from heaven just for you if you'll get closer to God. Well, it might, but guess what? It might not. It might not. At least not in your timetable. 
And that's where faith is. Believing that God is working behind the scenes even though my circumstances are very difficult right now. This is what we find Ruth doing. She steps out in faith and she says, Things are hard. God is good. But He will not forsake me. He will not forget me. He will find favor with me. I will be found in Him. And that, folks is faith. Ruth doesn't deny her hardships and go, oh, this isn't existing. I'm, I'm putting a blinder to the fact that my husband's dead, my father-in-law is dead, and we have nowhere else to go. No, I know it's a difficult time, but I'm trusting in this God that I've heard about. And she's very clear. I will find favor. My wife possesses this type of faith. She's my number one cheerleader. She's my number one advisor. And when my faith gets low, and when I get discouraged, she's the first one to come and say, it's going to be okay. Uh, God's going to provide. God is going to meet whatever that need is, Chris, because God is good. Recently, she's been using this metaphor on me all the time when I get uh, discouraged. She's like, you know what? You're right, this might be happening right now, but God's working upstream. Like, you're at this part, but, but God is already working upstream, Chris. You just can't see it. In other words, folks, God is working behind the scenes. But let me tell you this, folks. You will never see what God is doing until you start Moving until you start searching, until you start stepping out in faith. A year ago, the community basket was simply a dream. It was just something that we hoped might happen. But there were some men and women in this church who made a commitment to start gleaning and gleaning and gleaning and getting hygiene items and other products to be able to help those who were struggling in our community. And after nine months of gleaning, the ministry has impacted 4,757 people. And we have shared God's love by passing out 8,203 items. Nine months, folks. Nine months, absolutely. In a couple of months, we're getting ready to make a move to the Civic. And we're stepping out in faith because we believe that this is going to allow us to be able to reach more and more people to move towards Christ. And God is going to move in that space and work in that space just like He has this space as we surrender ourselves to Him and believe that God is working behind the scenes. And I'm ready for the ride. So this is my question for you this morning. What do you need to step out in faith in? What do you, not the person beside you, not the church, not Chris Bunch, but what do you need to step out in faith in? Where do you need to go to God and say, God, I need your favor? God, I need your favor in this area of my life. Maybe you're struggling right now just like Ruth was. No food, no money just trying to make ends meet, 
No husband, no wife, no job, no savings, no car, no promotion, not really the family that you were thinking you were going to have. And folks, do you need to be like Ruth and just step out and say, I believe that God can give me favor. There is hope for me, even though the circumstances do not look all that great right now, because I know God is going to work behind the scenes. Here's the second thing that we need to do if we're going to experience God moving when circumstances seem unclear, and it's to receive God's grace freely. To receive God's grace freely. When Ruth set out to the fields and she wants to glean them, she doesn't know whose field it is. But she's hoping that when she gets to this field, because she's hungry and her mother-in-law is hungry, that someone might allow them some grace. And about this time, Boaz, one of Elimelech's relatives, notices Ruth in the fields... And now the question becomes, why does he notice her? What is this guy doing in this field that he owns that he has workers already working the field? Why is he even there? And why does he notice Ruth? Well, it might be because she's hot. Kind of looking like, woo, she looks good. It might be because he sees how hard she's working because she's just picking up the the little grains that are left over. It may be a combination of both. It may be something else. I don't know what it is, but this is what we do know about them, that these two individuals, folks, are very different. Boaz is old. Ruth is very, very young. He is a Jew. She is a Moabite. He is filthy rich. She doesn't have anything. But one day, he comes to her in the field, and he says this, Ruth, I just want you to glean in my field. I just want you to work my field. And she is like, really? He's like, yep. He says, I've already made provisions for you to just glean here, and if you need a drink, if you need anything else, you can do that. My workers just work behind them, and uh, it will be taken care of, and I'll make sure that you're protected. Because she's a woman in a society where women were abused, just like our society hasn't changed so much today. And he says, but you'll be protected here. To which Ruth then replies like a typical woman, why are you doing this? Uh, excuse me, why are you doing this? Why do you want to provide for me? What are you up to? Is this a come on? Is this all this is? Is this just a come on that you have? And Boaz surprises her, probably kind of takes her breath away because she's not expecting what he's going to say when he says this. I've been told about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and your mother and you, in your homeland, and you came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you've done, caring for Naomi. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Isn't that beautiful? 
I love that image of God being an eagle who has wings and he's caring for her. And Boaz is like, Ruth, I know a little bit about your story and God has kind of told me that and now I'm extending grace. I'm giving you grace. Will you receive it? Now, grace is a very interesting word and uh, this is what it means. Grace is simply favor given to someone who doesn't deserve it and can't earn it. Ruth couldn't do anything to receive this. She's poor, she's a woman, she's an immigrant, and she has no one to care for her. And Ruth had no claims on anyone. She shouldn't have even been in that field. She was at the lowest rung of the ladder. But then, dun-dun-dun-dun, God sends his wings through this man who was a relative named Boaz. And folks, this is the truth. God always has good people around even when there are bad times. Because God's always working behind the scenes. He's planting seeds. He's moving. He's working upstream. He's extending grace even when we can't see it ourselves. I love what the Bible says when it says this. He, God, who watches over you, never slumbers nor sleeps. He's always working behind the scenes, folks. He's always extending grace. Romans 8.28 says this, We know that God is always at work for the good of who? Who? Some of you should circle that today. Like, everyone. That's you. Everyone who loves Him. They are the ones God has chosen for His purpose. God is always working to make things right and to make things good for those who love Him and who follow Him. And this is fundamental for every single Christ follower. I mean, folks, you can't get through difficult times. You can't get through heartaches. You can't overcome your bitterness unless you believe at the core of your being that there is a God who is good and He's working behind the scenes even if I don't see it. In fact, to kind of really make this penetrate into your mind, I'd like you to repeat after me this little phrase. So just repeat after me. God is working behind the scenes in my life. He never slumbers or sleeps. He is always working behind the scenes. You know, I don't know what it is about us as human beings, but we have a very hard time believing that and even a more difficult time many times receiving God's grace. He wants to extend something that we don't deserve and we have a hard time receiving it. There's something inside of us that sometimes we just think, well, I'm not quite good enough, so I've got to earn my way to God. I've got to climb up some kind of proverbial ladder so that I can earn God's grace. And for the first part of my life, the first 26 years of my life, even being a PK, a preacher's kid, I thought it was about getting to God was all about having to climb up a ladder that I had to fly straighter, that I had to work harder, that I had to somehow get God to be pleased with me. 
You know, when there's that scripture, you'll see it in the end zones in the NFL. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. When you read that, this is what I used to always think. That God did love the world. That God did forgive the world. That God wiped out the sins of the world. I just wasn't sure that he did it for me. Chris Sponge. I mean, for... The first part of my life, I had so many mess-ups and screw-ups, especially in college, that I thought I had to earn his love, that I had to earn his forgiveness, that there was this huge pile of sin, much greater than the top of this uh, gymnasium ceiling, and it was my sin, and I had to do something to to take care of because I had offended a holy God. And I put myself... Through so much anguish, because I would think, well, what's the quota? You know, like, how many good things would I have to do for God to actually forgive me of my sins? What did the standard that I had to live up? And it wasn't until I was 26 years of age that I finally experienced the fullness of God's grace. Grace that says this, and we need to read this out loud together. It'll come on the side screen. There's, let's all read it together. There's nothing I can do to make God love me more, and there's nothing I can do to make God love me less. You first read that and you say, there's nothing I can do to make God love me more, and you're like, oh, but there has to be something more. I've got to be able to do something to get God to love me. And then he says, no, and there's nothing you can do that will ever make me love you any less. God is love. God loves me no matter what. And His love, folks, is not based upon my works and it's not based upon my past. And He is working behind the scenes even when I can't see it. And so I must simply accept His grace freely. Folks, the reality is, you know what? There is a Boaz that is trying to reach out to you in this moment. There is a Boaz who's reaching out to you. But he's not just saying, hey, I'll let you glean my field. I'll I'll let you have some protection. I'll give you some food. But there is actually a Boaz who wants to provide and care for you, not just now, but for all eternity. Jesus Christ is your Boaz. And He extends His grace to you today. And He says, I'll forgive all of your sins, your past, your present, your future, and to give you a home in heaven. Folks, God is always working behind the scenes of your life, even when you can't see it. And He's saying, I'll provide, I'll care for you, I'll make it right. So the question is not this morning, is God's grace available to you? The question is, will you receive it Freely? Or will you try to fly straighter and work harder and try to do something to please God more? Folks, when the circumstances of our life are unclear, we must step out in faith. We must receive God's grace freely. And then finally, we must live with a hopeful heart. You have to live with hope. All day long, as Ruth is working these fields, she does so with a hope-filled heart. 
She realized that God is going to give me some favor, that God is going to be working behind the scenes. He's going to protect me. He'll be a shoulder for me. But as Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi, with all the food and provision for a whole week that she had, the question is, how is Naomi going to respond? Because Naomi's bitter. She's bitter towards God. She's bitter towards life. She's bitter towards her family. If you remember last week, she's lost everything, so she's a bitter old woman. She has no food. She has no money. She's just blaming God for her poverty, her sorrow, and she has lost all hope. But as Ruth stepped out in faith, and as she received God's grace freely through Boaz, hope filled her heart. And this is what happens in families, folks. And you're the only one who can do this. If you decide that I'm going to be the one who has hope, even when the family feels very, very broken. Over time, if you believe in that long enough and you believe in that hope, that hope spills out from you into your family. So for Ruth, when she came back and she said, I've got hope, all of a sudden it spills out into Naomi and look at what it says. No, no, uh, Naomi asked Ruth, Where, Ruth, did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has stopped showing kindness. or he, He has not stopped showing kindness to the living and the dead. That man is our close relative. He is our family guardian. Hope just had this sense of it. Once it was in Ruth, it flowed out into Naomi. And she went from a bitter woman to a blessed woman. She realized now that God was actually truly working behind the scenes. He was working upstream even though she couldn't see it. And through Boaz, Ruth now has this hope-filled heart. And Naomi's hope now is restored because of Ruth. There's a guy in our church by the name of Tony who walked in to this gym this winter and he felt totally hopeless. He had lost his job and the money was running out and he was unable to get any work. And eventually it got so bad that he was kicked out of the place where he was living and he was all alone. And he was homeless. He stayed at local shelters. He would stay with friends and family just to survive. But Tony had absolutely no hope. And he didn't know where he was going to turn. And it was about this time that he just kind of looked up and he thought, maybe you're there, God. Maybe, maybe I'll step out in faith. And he started connecting here at the jar. And you guys loved on him and you cared for him and you saw his story and you loved him no matter what. And he experienced the love of God and the love of people and he freely received God's grace into his life. And pretty soon, Tony got a temp job through Bridges, a nonprofit that helps people find jobs and then transitional housing. And he was able to stay in one of the tiny homes. 
And he learned to budget his money and to save some money. And eventually he got his own apartment. And since then, he's been promoted from his temp job to a full-time job. And he recently just received a promotion and a raise. And when I talked with Tony this week, you could hear the hope. And you could sense it as he told me this. He said, Chris, you know, it's really true. All things are possible for those who believe and trust in God. In other words, all things are possible because God is working behind the scenes even when I can't see it. Just as Boaz reached out to care for Ruth and Naomi as the family guardian. Remember that phrase? As a family guardian. Uh, Another scripture says as a family redeemer. Jesus, your redeemer, your guardian, is always working behind the scenes in your life even when you don't see it. He died on a cross because He loved you so much so that you could be set free from sin. And you know what He's doing today? He's interceding you from heaven, working behind the scenes in your life. And if we step out in faith and if we freely receive God's grace, we're told He will fill us with hope. Just like He filled Ruth with hope and Naomi with hope and Tony with hope, God will fill you with hope as well. Because the truth is this, folks. God keeps His promises. He will never let you go. And He will always, 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 always be working behind the scenes even when you can't see it. So no matter how you feel today, no matter what difficult circumstances you might be experiencing, remember that there is a God who is working upstream, who is working behind the scenes, and He will never let you 